Amen. Amen. How is everybody today? Not rhetorical? Good, good. All right, three of you. That's great. Uh, awesome. Glad that you are good. Welcome to Lindsay Lane North. Uh, my name is Alan. I am the pastor here. That was Will, uh, an incredible worship pastor uh, that we have been so blessed with here in Elkmont. And so uh, if you are visiting with us, and we are so glad to have you, whether it's online or in person, uh, we have a Connect card for you. If you came in today, hopefully you received a bulletin inside that is a Connect card. We would love to have record that you were here. Uh, if you would, you have any prayer requests or anything like that you would like to share with us, you're more than welcome to do that as well. And so uh, if you're listening online, if you would text L, um, excuse me, North Connect to 31996. Uh, that is our online connect card. Direct you there. If you make a decision today, just want to let us know that you're visiting and tuning in. Whatever it is, we'd love for you uh, to, to be there and love for you to let us know. Um, also on there is a place that you can let us know if you make a decision today. So uh, make sure that you utilize that as well. If you got your Bibles, turn to Genesis chapter 11. Genesis chapter 11. I am really, really excited about uh, what God has taught me this week as, as I have prepared and really studied. Uh, as, I, as I hinted last week, we are, today is Racial Reconciliation Sunday for us at North. And uh, we've really felt impressed to do this because um, I think for far too long the church has been silent in areas that are extremely relevant to society and to our lives. And so as a result, the church has lost relevance. We stay away from current affairs and current issues. And so therefore, our people, the church by and large, doesn't know how to respond as God's word instructs on issues that are absolutely pertinent to today's life. But as Solomon said, there's nothing new under the sun. Right? There's nothing new under the sun. And so if we will understand what God's word has to say on the issue of racism, I truly believe, man, God can use us to be mighty tools for reconciliation uh, in many, many ways. And so I am excited about that, excited about what God taught me. He's taught me more than I'm going to be able to share with you. Probably that you want me to share with you because we'd be here a lot longer, okay? Uh, but I'm excited about what God's taught me, and I'm excited to get an opportunity to share that uh, with you. Here's, here's what you need to know. Racism is a construct, ultimately, that has no place in a Christian worldview. However, it does find its roots in a secular worldview. Racism is a construct ultimately that has no place in a Christian worldview. However, it does in a secular worldview. If you are a believer in here, now we use terms that we hear a lot, right? We, we hear terms all the time that we use almost without even knowing it. Uh, if you are a believer in here and you believe that God created Adam and Eve, the first man and woman then you believe, as do I, or at your, in your home, you believe that all of us are part of the human race. The idea of racism, the idea of races in general, 
is a faulty line of thinking. Now, you can say it's semantics, maybe more appropriately should be ethnicities, but ultimately every one of us are descendants from the same forefathers, right? From, from Adam and Eve came everyone that exists today. That is a Christian worldview on how we look at races, right? That we are, there is no race, there are no races, there is a, there is simply a human race. We are all of a kind, right? We are all of a family grouping scientifically, right? That we are all humanity, right? And so it's important that we understand that because the secular worldview is where we can be influenced to believe and, and, and racism begins to rear its ugly head because what the secular worldview is is that we have all evolved from nothing, right? There was a bunch of constipated single molecule, single cell organisms that eventually uh, divided and developed into all that we have today. And where you are and what your, your existence is just the natural uh, happenings of your environment, of your climate. And so what we have, as we've evolved over the years, you have adaptations that someone else may not have. It's, that's how they define and they, have, they explain the difference in races and, and ethnicities, is that you are just a product of your upbringing. You can see very easily how that immediately can relate to racism. Uh, there were uh, racism... Uh, not long ago in our country, there was a, there was a, a thinking that because black people were different, were, uh, were different than us, they were less evolved than white people, right? And so they treated them as less than humanity, right? Because there was a, they were seen as less evolved than humanity. They didn't have the ability to reason. As an Aryan, as a white person would, as a, as a Caucasian would. And so it was used to bludgeon people. Listen, racism has occurred all throughout history. Understand that there were people who were uh, in the Holocaust. What happened in the Holocaust was racism, right? Everybody is using, because I grew up here or I look this way, I am more evolved or I am more adapted than you are. Therefore, racism can rear its ugly head. Because we are ultimately divided. And in fact, it's the, the ones that will survive are the fittest. Well, who's the fittest? Well, all, of, all of us, well, I hope I am, right? You know, all, automatically putting yourself over someone else. And so this is where it rears its ugly head. And so understand that from a biblical worldview, if we're all descended from Adam and Eve, there's no reason why we should experience this, this racism. So the question then becomes, where does diversity come from? All right. If that's racism, then there's not a, there's, there's just a human race. Where does the diversity come from? Now, for this, I'm just going to tell you, I am not smart enough to articulate to you exactly how this happens. Um, but if you will go to answersingenesis.org, Ken Ham does an amazing job explaining that. I don't necessarily agree with all everything that he teaches, but I do agree in this area um, of a way of explaining scientifically where the diversity came if it was just Adam and Eve. Right, so every storybook, every kid's storybook that we ever read, right, or I've ever read, how does it portray Adam and Eve? What? Super white, 
with fig leaves, right? That's, that is the, that is the stereotypical Adam and Eve, right? They, they are white with fig leaves and they are of one, they're, they're not variable at all. What's, what, uh, actually Ken Ham proposes is that Adam and Eve, more than likely, if God chose to do this through science, Adam and Eve were as genetically diverse as is humanly possible. When God created them, he created them with every genetic variable that he possibly could in order to create the diversity that we see today. And so instead of a super white Adam and Eve, there was probably, it was probably more of a middle color Adam and Eve so that we, so that we can see black and white and Asian and Polynesian. All of these, all of these things probably come from a middle color Adam and Eve. Same thing with eye shape. They're probably not almond shaped. They're probably not more open. They're probably more medium, right? Because they are a perfect mixture of so many genetic, uh, so much of the genetic makeup of, of who we are, right? They were the perfect variable of that. It's how, and, and he uses that through all of his studies, he uses that to explain how we can develop into tribes and people groups that look as different as we do, right? And so, so then the question becomes, so if, if, if now we understand how to think about races based on biblical knowledge, if we understand where diversity comes from based on scientific biblical understanding, then where did the division come from? And that is where Genesis 11 picks up. Genesis 11 picks up with the tower of Babel. So number one in your notes, we see the tower. What we're talking about today is uh, reversing Babel. Reversing what happened at Babel. God created a... a he, he dispersed the people of, from all walks of life. Everybody had come together. They were in one place and they diversed throughout the land. And so the first thing that we see is the tower. Now, kiddos... As you can see, I have quite the feat of engineering in my hand here. If you did not pick up, any of you kids did not pick up a uh, kid's children's packet uh, today, you might want to go back and grab one because in that is a bunch of marshmallows and toothpicks. Now do with the marshmallows what you will, but at the end of service... I want y'all to work together, to work and try to create the best tower that you can with your marshmallows and your toothpicks, all right? And at the end of service, after the announcements, we're going to show off what you did, all right? So if you want to go right now and pick up your children's packs, they have those in there, and there's mine. So the standard has been set. It's busting a pretty hard lean, but... It's there, all right? It's stood for two services now. So uh, if some of you kids want to do that, we would love for you to participate in that. Um, you are my illustration today, all right? So there you go. Kids, what you create are my illustration today. But we are talking about the tower. Listen to what it says in Genesis chapter 11, verse 1. Now the whole earth had one language and the same words. And as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, Come and let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stones and bitumen for mortar. Then they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower that its top is in the heavens. And let us make a name 
for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of man had built. And the Lord said, Behold, they are one people, and they have all one language, and this is only the beginning of what they will do. And nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. Come, let us go down from there. Confuse their language so that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord dispersed them from there over the face of all the earth, and they left off building the city. Therefore, its name was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the languages of all the earth. And from there, the Lord dispersed them over all the face of the earth. You see, the story of Babel... All after the flood, all of the people had accumulated in one place, in this, in this valley, in this plain of Shinar. They had all gathered there, and they decided, they got together, and their collective reasoning, the sum of everything they decided was, hey, let's build a gigantic tower, right, that some of you kids are beginning right now, let's build a gigantic tower and let's make the top of the tower, the, the, the end of our tower ends in heaven. Now, you and I both know, based on how we see the atmosphere and all those things, that this would be a scientific impossibility, right? They are not building to heaven. It's not going to happen. And, and so that's important to understand that. But what, were they, what was their purpose for doing this. If we don't understand their purpose behind doing this, then we miss everything that Scripture is teaching us about why there are divisions today in our world. Listen what it says in verse 4. Come, let us build ourselves a city and tower with its top in the heavens. And listen to this. And you can underline this in your Bibles if you're following along. Let us make a name for ourselves. Do you know what the sum total of everything, when all the people of the earth got together, you know the sum total of what they wanted to do was? Let's make ourselves look great. Let's make a name for ourselves. Now, I don't know who they were trying to make a name for themselves for. Everybody in the earth was there. I don't know if they wanted the deer to be impressed. I don't know, right? But they, they wanted to create a name for themselves. In your notes, the tower was about the fame of man. The tower was constructed because for the purpose of the fame of man. Let us build a tower whose top reaches to the heavens to show everybody how great and how powerful we really are. You see, you got to understand, Babel points to the fundamental and original sin of man. And that sin is simply to be equal with God. Babel is a reminder that all of humanity, as we pursue things on our own without God in our life, we desire to be equal with God. We want to call the shots for our life. That is the original sin. Why did Adam and Eve sin in the garden? Remember what the serpent said? You're not going to surely die. But if you eat of the fruit, you will be like God. You will know good 
and evil. This is the result of eating the apple is you will be like God. It was the desire to be like God, to be equal on equal status with God that caused Adam and Eve to eat of the fruit. And it's the same thing that caused them to want to build a tower to heaven. And apparently they were experiencing some great success. Verse 6 has always puzzled me. When it talks about, and the Lord says that there was no limit, um, there is nothing that they propose to do now will be impossible for them. I've always thought that was curious, right? Because God's not saying that God wasn't concerned. He didn't disperse everybody because he was really concerned that they were going to be equal status with him. Don't hear that when you hear that. That, That's immediately what I thought. When we read that passage of Scripture, like, well, God dispersed them because he didn't want them to be equal with him. So he dispersed them. That doesn't sit too well with him. But understand this. God was never concerned that that tower would ever reach heaven. He wasn't concerned with it. Why? Because we know it wouldn't have happened. There's no way that that would have ever happened. However, when we look at it, in the, in the way that God looked at it, these people have gotten together, they've joined together, they're unified, and they are pursuing one goal. What is their goal? To do things on their own. To completely and recklessly leave me out of the equation. This is what the people of Israel were trying to do. They were the, the end goal that they had, the sum total of everything they had got together and thought about was sin. Let's make a name for ourselves. It's reasonable to assume that God used, once he realized that this was happening, and, and, and by the way, that didn't dawn on him. He knew that was going to happen. He was sovereign over this, just like he's sovereign over COVID. He's sovereign over the civil unrest that we have in our country. He's sovereign over all of it, right? He was sovereign and knew it would happen. Starting to lean a little bit as I move my seat, my 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 stand here. He was sovereign over all of it, right? But there was but what he was literally saying is there is no limit to the depravity of man and their propensity to sin. As they get together, when they get together, the only thing that can happen as they get together is that sin breaks out. Pride rules the day and everybody seeks to serve themselves rather than serve the Lord. So God dispersed them. And it's reasonable to assume that as God dispersed them, he probably dispersed them based on physical attributes. Right? That this, these people look this way, and so they're given this language, and they go this way. They disperse this way. This people group look a similar way. They disperse another way. And, and they, it's reasonable to assume that God used that as a way to disperse people, right? And so he created languages for them and then dispersed them over the face of the planet. But that is not the end of the story. We don't serve a God that desires to disperse people and to never allow them to be unified under anything. God's plan was to bring the nations back together again. But this time, it would be different. God spends from Genesis 11 until a time that is still to come, Revelations chapter 7, to heal the divide between humanity 
and between himself. And so that's what he does. Over from Genesis 11 to Revelations, God is redeeming the division that exists because of man's sin. Because man's sin, because he desired to make a name for himself, God dispersed them, but his plan wasn't through with him. God didn't leave us in our sin. If you're a child of God in here, he didn't leave you in your sin. There was nothing you did to deserve it, but God didn't leave you there. His love pursued you. And that's why you've come into relationship with him. And that's why he makes that invitation for you today. Whether in person or online, the invitation to begin a relationship with Christ comes because God has pursued this for us. And so let's look at this day to be determined. We've seen the tower, we've seen what happened, and we've seen how the tower was about the fame of man. Let's look secondly at the throne. Revelation chapter 7. Turn all the way to the back. Right, we're in the front, turning all the way to the back. Let's look at a day that is still to come. Revelation chapter 7, verse 9. After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands. And crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. You see, man's goal at Babel was to glorify themselves at a tower of their own building. God's plan for man was to bring them together Not to worship some structure they had created, but to bring them together under his salvation. It's not about... It's not about just coming together, but why are we coming together? What's the purpose for it? Are we uniting under ourselves in our own name? Are we uniting under the banner of Christ? One day, humanity will be undivided again. This is what we're reading, right? Every tribe, tongue, and nature, and, and, and nation, a multitude that no one could number. All standing around the throne, all reciting the same verses, all singing the same songs. Everybody in one voice, in unison, are together. They are unified again. One day, humanity will be undivided again. But this time, we won't be striving to make a name for ourselves. But we will be worshiping the only name that is truly worthy. Why? Why did God confuse the language and why did God disperse them? Because the name of man is not worthy to be rallied under. Not not creed, not nationality. Listen, I'm proud to be an American, but it doesn't it ain't going to bring everybody together. I'm proud to be where I'm from, but it's not going to bring everybody together. The only thing that is worthy of being united under, that that has the only lasting power, is for creation to unite under their creator. It's It's the only solution. And until that happens, we will see division. Why? Because it's the way God dispersed them in their sin. Why? Because we have... Sin, despite ethnicity, Philippians 2 tells us that every knee in heaven and on earth and under the earth will bow to the name of Jesus. Every knee. It doesn't go go into 
every ethnicity. It doesn't start listing off nationality. It doesn't start listing off gender or political affiliation. It just says every knee that has existed, that will exist, and that is existing currently today will bow at the name of Jesus. Every single one of them. Listen to what Acts 4.12 says. And there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. What is the unifying thing to this around the throne room of God? What is the unifying theme of every tribe, tongue, and nation? It's that they have been redeemed. They have been set free and they have experienced the salvation of God. And in light of that salvation, we worship. We worship. God is bringing every tribe, every tongue, every nation around Him. He's unifying all of us together one day. And we're not there yet, right? You can turn on the TV and recognize we ain't there yet. But one day, He is making us one again. The tower was about the fame of man. The throne is about the fame of the Lamb. The throne is about the fame of the one who laid down his life for you and for me. And in light of that decision to lay down one's life for their friend, we cannot allow physical appearance. We cannot allow socioeconomic standing. We can allow geographical distance to separate us from what the end game that God is working toward to bring everybody to himself. So thirdly and finally, if God isn't leaving us in our sin, he isn't leaving us divided, but he's uniting us under him. If this is happening, then it has profound ramifications for the church. Right? For you and I, we must be busy doing something. There's a plan. If God is restoring all things and we look at the world and we see division, then what is it for us is left for us to do? And so thirdly and finally, let's look at the turn. We've seen the tower. We've seen the throne. Finally, let's look at the turn. 2 Corinthians 5.16 says this, Therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard Him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. All of this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to Himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Racism isn't new, and Paul is actually talking to super racist people, the Jewish people, and telling them God is looking beyond how you were born and how you were raised and the law system that you live by, and he is seeing, he is giving us the ministry of reconciliation. So every tribe, tongue, and nation becomes not people that we are to avoid, but they become targets for the gospel. That is... In Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we as Christ's ambassadors, 
God making his appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Paul making the appeal to the church at Corinth, saying, I beg you, don't let these things that divide you, divide you any longer. Be reconciled to Christ and watch how he brings all people to himself. Revelation 7 is happening. And the amazing thing about it, church, is he gives us the opportunity to be a part of that unity. But it doesn't happen when we focus on trifle things. It doesn't happen when we put our attention in places that don't live past eternity. The turn on your notes is the mission of the church. It is our mission to see repentance in every tribe, tongue, and nation's life. It's why it's unacceptable as a church to only have a mission strategy that includes Elkmont. Now, it absolutely starts here. And the light that shines the furthest shines the brightest at home. But our mission strategy has to, has to include the uttermost parts of the earth. Why? Because Christ died just as much for them as he did for us. He died just as much for the good old boy in, in Athens and in, in Limestone County than he died for the person over in Azerbaijan. He died for them equally. And God has enlisted us to be ministers of reconciliation, be his ambassadors and preaching reconciliation above everything else. Now we can look at our own life and see where other things have won the day in reconciliation. Other things have gotten in the way. But God has given us this task. There's a reason why we are still drawing breath to reconcile, to be used by God to reconcile all things to Him. For the believer, differences in ethnicity should not have the same divisive effect that it has on those still in sin. It should not have the same divisive effect. Why? Because we see something greater. We see a need that transcends all other needs. We see people the way that Jesus sees them. You see, when Jesus died, as Jesus is reconciling us, he's not just reconciling our relationship with him, right? We understand that. We understand the gospel reconciles us, holy God and imperfect humanity. But you know what the gospel also does? How it speaks to racism? The gospel is also healing our relationship with others. The gospel doesn't just heal our relationship between us and man. It absolutely brings unity between us and everyone else. Why? Because we are all in equal need of Jesus. Every single one of us. If Babel taught us anything, it's that our opinion on how people behave and what people should do does not matter at all. We put off the old man and we have put on the new. So the question is, are you living in that new man? If you are, then racism shouldn't be even on your radar because you are living to reach every tribe, tongue, and nation. Why? Because that was God's plan from the beginning. God blessed Abraham, one nation, 
But the plan wasn't just to stay with Abraham because he would protect Israel, the weakest of the, of the nations. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 7, talks about Israel being the weakest of the nations. God put his hand on Israel. God preserved the line for the Messiah so that through Abraham and his seed, everyone here can be blessed. God's plan was for the nations to be unified under him rather than their own name. Why? Because our name doesn't have lasting power. There's one name given among men by which we must be saved. One name. And so with every head bow and eye closed, if you're here today, our ministry is to see people reconciled to Christ. Why? Because Christ has reconciled us. Christ has brought us who were far far away has brought us near through his son's blood. And so if you're here today and you haven't received this gift, then maybe, maybe you're at home and maybe you recognize, maybe even for the first time, that you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. I want you to know that God loves you. He loves you enough to pursue you in the middle of your sin, in the middle of the worst thing that you could ever do. Christ pursued you there. And if you would just repent, if you would just turn, it's the mission of the church. It's the reason why we're here. If you would just turn from that sin, God will receive you into his family. You, will, you can be a child of God. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, that's the greatest news I could ever give you. And so if you're here today and you need to make a decision for Christ, maybe you need to begin that relationship with Him. We've got counselors that are in the back of the room that would love to talk to you about how you can know that you have a relationship with Jesus. They would love to talk to you. Maybe you, maybe you know that you have a relationship with Jesus, but, but your life has not looked like you are seeking the unity of all people under Jesus. Maybe you, need, maybe you need a church family to encourage you to be about the mission of reaching Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth for Christ. Maybe you need to join us here at Lindsay Lane North. We would love to partner with you and show you how you can continue to make a difference, make an eternal difference in the world that you live in, bringing all people to Jesus. Maybe you need to get your baptism in order and identify yourself in the body of Christ. Whatever it is, whatever decision, maybe you, just, you don't know. Maybe you don't know what you need to do and maybe you just want to talk to a pastor. We would love to follow up with you and love to talk to you. Love, these counselors would love to meet with you. But if you're here and you need to make a decision for Christ, would you just stand? Would you stand to your feet right where you are? Nobody looking around. Nobody at all looking around. Would you just stand to your feet, make your way to the back of the room. There's, a, there's counselors there would love to receive you, and they'll take you the rest of the way. If you'd like to make a decision for Christ today, would you just stand up, and you just make your way to the back of the room? Would you do that? Would you respond? The second way that you can respond... It's through that connect card. If you made a decision today and for whatever reason you, didn't, you decided not to move or maybe you're at home, you can text 31996 uh, North Connect and you can get to the connect card. If you made a decision, let us know. Or you can open up your bulletin right there in that connect card. Let us know. Give us some information to reach you. We'd love to follow up with you about any decision that you have to make for Christ today. Why do we not mess with racism as the church because we got bigger fish to fry people are dying 
and splitting hell wide open. We see people the way that God sees them. We develop the heart that he has for them. Father God, we thank you for this message. Bind it to our hearts. Move us. Convict us of sin. And Father, everywhere that we've fallen short, we love you and we praise you. It's in Christ's holy name we pray.